Do one thing every day that scares you. Courage is more exhilarating than fear, and in the long run, it is easier. We do not have to become heroes overnight. Just a step at a time, meeting each thing that comes up, seeing it not as dreadful as it appeared, discovering we have the strength to stare it down. Eleanor Roosevelt Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I am Cal Walters and I first want to thank you today for tuning in. If it's your first time, thank you for being here. I truly value your time and I promise you I spend a lot of time outside of obviously recording to make sure this is an impactful few minutes that we have together and I hope you'll get something out of it. Um, If you're someone who's a return listener, a faithful listener, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for tuning in. I appreciate you. I appreciate the feedback that you provide. Hey, just real quick, and I'm kind of uncomfortable doing this. It's not really my my style to be a promoter, but I, I want all of you to know, number one, I don't get any money out of this. this is, I don't do this for money. I never will do this for money. I do this because this is something I'm passionate about. This is something that I care about. I want to help people. That is my kind of life mission. That's my life goal. And so I want you to know that, but I also want you to know that part of that is that I want to add value to as many people as I possibly can. And what I'm learning as I'm kind of going through this process is that there are really three things that, hey, if you want to support this podcast, if you want to help me, there are three things you can do. So I want to ask you to do them. Number one, please subscribe, right? I think that's just the, hitting that button on iTunes. It just says subscribe. When you do that, every time I post a new episode, it's going to load into your iTunes and you'll be able to see it. So number one, please subscribe. Apparently that helps get this out to more people. I appreciate all of you that have already subscribed. Thank you. Number two, give the podcast a rating on iTunes. One to five, just give an honest rating. I appreciate your feedback. And then number three is give a written review. If you have time, I know all of you are busy, but I do want you to know that is a way you can support this podcast. A lot of my friends A lot of people that listen have always asked, like, hey, Cal, what can I do? I love what you're doing. How can I help? Well, guys, that is a way that you can help. Also, another way, obviously, is you can share it with people. Um, That means a lot. Um, It's a way for for us to, to add value together to the lives of other people. All right, so enough about that, but I do want you to know that's a way you can help, and I appreciate it. So, hey, I'm excited today to continue a discussion that we started last week on principles of courageous leadership. Now, last week I discussed two kind of foundational principles of courageous leadership, which is one, courageous leaders champion change, and number two, courageous leaders are prone to take action. Courageous leaders, when we think about courage, we think about facing our fears, people that are courageous leaders are doers. They're the, they're the first person to go and create something, to start something, to walk out into the unknown, being willing to be vulnerable, and to start to do the thing. And what's beautiful about action is that we are all, as humans, drawn towards people of action. And that's one of the things that's, that's powerful about being a courageous leader. That's one of the reasons that's such an important part of being a leader is because it's expressions of courage going all the way back to when we were kids. That first kid that was willing to ride his bike down that tall hill. Everyone's sitting at the top of the hill. 
and the kid with the bike is willing to ride down first, man, all of a sudden he's the leader. Or, you know, you can think of any of other examples in your own life as a kid, but oftentimes it's that person who's willing to be first to take action establishes that person as a leader. Now we're going to continue that discussion today. I'm going to talk about three more principles of courageous leadership. So we're going to kind of round out this discussion. You end up with five principles of courageous leadership that I hope you can go out and apply to your life and and make a difference as a courageous leader. Now you'll see that as we talk today, as as I cover these three final principles, you'll see kind of a theme running through them. And it's really that courageous leaders, as hard as it is, are all about seeking clarity. They're about seeking clarity of their organization and they're also willing to have those tough conversations and they're willing to provide clarity to the people in their organization. So let's get started. So principle number, I'm gonna call it number three because remember we had two last week. So principle number three for being a courageous leader is that courageous leaders intentionally, don't forget that word intentionally, confront current reality even when it's ugly. I'm gonna say that again. Principle number three is courageous leaders intentionally confront current reality even when it's ugly. Now, guys, this is tough. This is really tough. Although I guess if it was easy, then it wouldn't require courage, right? But as leaders, it's important for us, obviously, to provide a vision for a brighter tomorrow. It's important for us to be optimistic, to be upbeat, to be growth-minded. So sometimes confronting current reality can be a challenge. This is also tough because we as leaders... Our egos are wrapped up into the success or failure of the organization. So sometimes it's hard for us to take a hard look at our organization because doing that is taking a hard look at us. But confronting current reality, what it really means is staring at problems and issues in your organization head on. And what it also means is it means fighting our tendency, all of us are kind of our human tendency, just to want to ignore problems because ignoring problems we think is easier we don't have to deal with them. You and I, I think we tend to want to look away from problems because it's that fear of the unknown. It's that sometimes it just feels better to live in denial than to confront the current reality. I remember an example I'll give you is when I, you know, I, I went to law school, completed law school, and one of the biggest challenges after law school for anyone, any aspiring lawyer, is you have to pass the bar examination. It's three, two to three months of, of studying after three years of law school, all for two days of intense testing and then you take the test and then you just you're just done you just you just you've kind of done everything you can and you just have to wait and i remember i took the test in north carolina and north carolina not- they only notify people by mail by snail mail so i was waiting on this letter to arrive at my house and i remember when when the letter was going to arrive my mother-in-law was at the house watching our daughter my wife and i were away on a trip And I remember I was so terrified of what might be in that letter that I I wasn't willing to open it. And so the the letter arrived, my mother-in-law sent my wife a text like, hey, looks like the letter for the bar exam results has arrived. And I was so terrified. I had my mother-in-law open the letter and I was like, I told my wife, I was like, sweetie, can you just please have your mom open the letter and then text you the results and then you text me or you tell me the results because I... I don't even want to talk to the person who's opening the letter because I'm that terrified. <laughs> and it was just because of the unknown of everything in that. I was just terrified of what could be in that letter. So I didn't even want to look at it. I didn't want to let anyone talk to the person who was looking at the letter. Thankfully, 
we got great results that day. And, and then I later thought, I was like, man, I really put my mother-in-law in a tough position. But that, that story, I think, just illustrates how oftentimes it's easier for us to just not look at something, not look at a problem and live in denial than it is to confront the possibility of finding something in that situation that we don't like. Now, Jim Collins, who wrote this fantastic book called Good to Great, many of you are probably familiar with it. If you're not, I highly recommend it. Um, he puts it this way. He says, when you turn over rocks and you look at all the squiggly things underneath, you can either put the rocks down or you can say, my job is to turn over rocks and look at the squiggly things, even if what I see scares the hell out of me. Isn't that a great metaphor, a great analogy of what our job is as leaders? Our job as leaders is to turn over rocks. Sink that, let that sink in if you've never heard that before. Our job is to not just turn over rocks, but our job is to stare at the squiggly things that we see underneath those rocks, even if it scares the hell out of us. I remember when I became a platoon leader, so one of my first jobs in the Army, so I graduate from West Point. I'm 22 years old. I go through infantry basic course. I go through ranger school, go through airborne school. I arrived at my unit in Hawaii and I become a platoon leader. And I was in charge of about 40 infantry soldiers, some more senior infantry soldiers who had been in the army from six to 12 years. And I was young and I honestly didn't know exactly what I was doing. And so I remember having a challenge as a, as a young leader of confronting current reality. I really didn't trust my gut. And so I wasn't consciously doing this, but as I look back, I was kind of subconsciously doing this. I was looking away and I wasn't, I wasn't willing to stare at problems that, that were really staring me right in the face. For example, my platoon had an issue arriving at places on time. And as a platoon, really like any unit in the army, being where you are supposed to be when you're supposed to be there is, is crucial. I mean, imagine having a platoon mission where you have to do an ambush or you're going to do a raid on a target and not getting there on time. Everything else as part of that mission fails. Well, my platoon was having trouble getting places on time. Even in small ways, we were having trouble arriving at training exercises on time. We were having trouble going to ranges on time. And then subsequent to that, to, to training missions on time. And although this problem was staring me in the face, I as a leader was not willing to stare it back in the face. I wasn't willing to confront it. And I really think, I thought that it would just get better with time. I thought that it would just kind of solve itself. And But you and I all know this, that problems don't tend to get better with time. Problems actually tend to get worse with time, which is exactly what happened with my platoon. So we have to fight not just our own individual tendency, but our organizational tendency to look the other way. I love what Andy Stanley does with this. So Andy Stanley, he's the founder and the lead pastor of North Point Ministries. He's got a great leadership podcast where he talks about this. So in order to make this a habit and his organization acknowledging that this is something that organizations tend not to do, he established the seven commandments of current reality. I'm just go over these real quick because I think what this does is it helps you and I think about how can we make this a habit, not just as leaders, but how can we make this a habit in our organization? Number one, he says, thou shalt not pretend. Now, really what this means is that you and I, people in our organization, can't pretend that things are as they really are not. So this just means confronting 
the reality of where we are. We're not going to pretend that we that we are something that we're not, and we're not going to pretend that things are going well when really things are not going well. Number two, thou shalt not turn a blind eye. This kind of goes back to that that Jim Collins principle of staring at stuff. When something seems weird, when something seems strange, stare at the issue. Be willing to face it head on. Don't do like I did when I was a platoon leader and I just hoped that things would get better. We have to be willing to stare at problems and not ignore them. Number three, thou shalt not exaggerate. Man, this is a huge one. How many of you guys have people in your organization or on your team that tend to exaggerate? They tend to say, always, never, everybody. For example, imagine someone comes into your office and says, everybody's having issues with Joe. Or they say, Joe is never on time. Or they let's say they come in and they say, hey, all the business development representatives, they never qualify their leads. I mean, all of these are just big exaggerations. And the problem is that exaggerating prohibits the leader from having a true understanding of the problem. I think as leaders, we have to really cut through the exaggeration. We got to ask the hard questions. We got to get to the bottom. Okay, you're telling me everyone. Okay, tell me who has a problem with Joe. Because I'm sure it's not everyone in the organization. Tell me the specific times that Joe has been late and why. Did we get to the bottom of why he was late? All these are questions we have to ask to get to the bottom. Also, we have to discourage people from exaggerating. Whenever people exaggerate like that, make it a point of saying, hey, you know, I get you're, I get you're fired up about this issue, but that type of language is not helpful to me as a leader. I need to understand the reality of where we're at. Uh, commandment number four that Andy Stanley came up with is thou shalt not shoot the bearer of bad news. This is, this is so good because all of us love getting great news. So we tend to reward people for giving us good news. So people are quick to give us good news because they know it's going to be well-received. But bad news, if you've ever had to deliver bad news to your boss or, or be someone who receives bad news, it's never fun to get that. And so if leaders don't make it possible and, and reward people in a way for giving them the honest truth, even when it's bad, well, then you're never going to get it. I mean, ask yourself, as a leader, are you, how are you treating the people that bring you bad news? Do people bring you bad news? If they don't, then that's probably an indicator. Ask yourself, would you want to bring yourself bad news? Are you someone who gets angry? Are you someone who immediately starts playing the blame game and starts pointing fingers? If that's the case, then people in your organization are probably more likely to want to sweep stuff under the rug than they are to want to tell you the reality of the situation. Andy Stanley says this, and I think it's a good point. What's rewarded is repeated. What's rewarded is repeated. So if, if you are rewarding people that bring you good news, but you're shooting the people that give you bad news, well, then you're probably not getting the reality of the situation. Commandment number five that Andy says is, thou shalt not hide behind the numbers. Now, anyone that's worked in an organization long enough knows that this is something that every organization probably struggles with. We can make data and numbers mean pretty much whatever we want it to mean. And so it's creating a, an environment of trust in your organization where people can be honest. People are not telling you what they think you want to hear. They're telling you what they know the organization needs to hear. So be willing to tell people, hey, look, I don't want you to hide behind the numbers. I want you to give me the honest truth. I want you to help me understand what these numbers mean, but I want you to help me understand the reality of what this data is. Commandment number six, thou shalt not ignore constructive criticism. I think that goes without saying, but be willing and, and, and encourage people in your organization to solicit criticism and constructive criticism and be willing, especially you as a leader, be willing to take it, solicit it and take it and apply it 
help people feel like they can be honest and create a just an organizational culture of trust. And then number seven, thou shalt not isolate themselves. And that that's not just for leaders, that's for anyone in the organization, but especially as leaders, we have if we're making it impossible to get on our calendar or to get a meeting with us, if we are finding ourselves just kind of people aren't coming and, and giving us information. Now I'm a big proponent as a leader that I do think that it's important for us to have time and space to do what only we can do as leaders. So I'm not saying that, you know, to, to allow people just to always be able to walk through your door constantly. If you do that, you're never going to get anything done. Or that people just always bring you their problems. If you've never read the article about putting the monkey on the back, or that's not what people should be doing. But people do need to be able to access you. I've had times in my leadership where I feel like I've become kind of a taskmaster. I'm always, I'm doing something. But what, the problem with that is when I'm always doing something, I'm not accessible to people. People don't feel like they can come to me. Or if they do, they feel like I'm distracted. So be someone who doesn't isolate yourself. So hey, important principle. Important principle. That's why I spent the most time on that one. Foundational. Be willing to confront current reality even when it's ugly and create a habit in your organization to do that. All right. Principle number four. Courageous leaders confront their own blind spots. Now the last principle we just talked about is all about organizational reality in your team, your family, your organization. This principle is about confronting your reality, your individual blind spots, my individual blind spots. Now, first and foremost, this, not only does this require courage, this requires humility. Because in order to confront our blind spots, we have to be willing to, number one, acknowledge we all have them. If you're someone who thinks that you don't have a blind spot, I can probably tell you what your blind spot is right now. You don't think you have blind spots. Blind spots are something that we all have. And the thing about blind spots is you can't see your own blind spot. Let me tell you just a quick story about a blind spot that I had. So I, when I was in high school, I learned to play the guitar. And so I was excited about playing the guitar. And so I volunteered to be someone who would lead music at my church. We called it leading worship. So I would stand up at the front I'd have a microphone and I would, you know, just play my guitar and I would sing and I would lead people in whatever song we were singing. And, you know, I was having so much fun. I felt like I sounded great. And so then when I got to college, I volunteered to be part of this, um, this organization that mentored high school kids. And so high school kids would come, we'd have probably 40, 50 of them. And every, every single week, we would sing songs. We would sing secular songs. I remember singing The Fray. We would sing, you know, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, Sweet Home Alabama, all these, you know, popular songs. And then we would sing, you know, religious songs. But I volunteered. I'm like, hey, I'll play the guitar. I don't mind getting up in front of people. I felt like I could sing well. You find yourself in the shower. You're singing. Man, you think you sound great. And so, you know, I got up there and I'm singing my heart out. I mean, I'm just singing The Fray. I'm singing all these popular songs to these high school kids. I've got this microphone. I got my guitar. But I noticed that no one ever came up to me after any of these sessions and was like, man, Cal, you sounded great. Cal, you know, you're a great singer. I really appreciate you being up there. And I always thought that was a little odd. I never thought anything about it because I was just confident. Man, I could sing. I sounded great to myself. And then I remember one time my now wife and girlfriend came to one of our sessions and I was excited to get to sing in front of her. She was going to be able to see me up there. You know, she's going to be proud. Here's my boyfriend up there singing great, leading these, leading these high school kids. And I just remember she never mentioned afterwards. She was like, she never mentioned like, hey, Cal, great job. You sounded great. 
So I kind of thought that was odd. And then fast forward a couple years into our marriage, there was this opportunity that presented itself where I was going to be able to try out to be someone who led worship for a church. And I was like, oh, this would be fun. I can play the guitar. I can sing. And then my wife, who's just the sweetest woman in the world, you know, she kind of was like, Cal, you know, you just have so much on your plate. Why don't you just let someone else do that? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't have that much on my plate. I mean, this is something I'm passionate about. I'm good at this. And then she finally kind of broke the reality to me and and informed me of a blind spot that I had. And that is that I was not a good singer. She's like, Cal, I just have to tell you, that is not your area of giftedness. And I was shocked. But then it all came back to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I remember no one would ever come up to me and say, Cal, you're a good singer. And that all makes sense. And it was because it was a blind spot. I thought I sounded great, but everyone else probably knew, man, this guy's not that good. And so that's the thing about our blind spots is we have to have people in our life that are willing to tell us our blind spots. And we have to be willing to acknowledge that we do not, we can't see our own blind spots as a leader. So what are your leadership blind spots. Another example of of one of my blind spots was perfectionism. I I used to be someone, and I probably still struggle with this, someone who whose perfectionism, which I used to think was a positive quality, it was something I would if if I was ever asked, what's your weakness? I would say, Oh, I'm I'm kind of a perfectionist, thinking that was a good thing. But what I've learned is a big difference between pursuing excellence and being a perfectionist. Perfectionism means you never get stuff done. You you never accomplish a task in the time that you should because you're constantly pursuing perfection. I also learned that perfectionism keeps you from starting things. I always want everything to be perfectly in order before I'm willing to start things. I'm not willing to accept risk and I've learned I gotta fight that. And so that was another blind spot that again, my wife, my, my wonderful wife, who's someone who can speak into my life and help me see these things, was able to help share with me. So what are your blind spots? Have you ever taken the time to ask someone who knows you, who know, who cares about you, who, who cares about your success, hey, what are some blind spots that I have? I promise you people are willing to tell you that, but you just have to be willing to ask and you have to be willing to listen to what other people say. So number four, principle number four is that courageous leaders have the humility to confront their own blind spots. All right, principle number five, courageous leaders set clear expectations and provide honest feedback. Guys, this is huge. Have you ever had a leader where you felt like you were just working and working and working and you always felt like you were trying to read their mind because it never seemed like you were doing what they wanted you to do, but they also would never take the time to tell you what their expectations are. Or let's say from a leadership perspective, have you ever failed to set clear expectations for someone and then you wished that up front you had done that? It would have made everything easier if you just told them, hey, this is what I expect. And I think we don't do this for a couple reasons. One, I think sometimes it's just a time thing. I think it just takes time up front to sit down and tell people, hey, this is what I expect. It also requires us to think thoroughly about what do I, what do I expect this one particular person to do? What are my expectations? What do, I, what do I feel like success is? What do I feel like failure is? And telling them those things. Another thing is that I think we, we just avoid having these tough conversations. Sometimes it's when we, when we have a conversation with someone, we tell them their expectations. Well, then that requires us, if they fail, then we're going to have to have those tough conversations with them. So sometimes I think we just avoid it because it's harder sometimes to just hold people accountable. So we just won't ever tell them what we expect of them. In terms of giving people honest feedback, I think a lot of us, we're just, we know that that, that conversation is going to be tough. Telling someone something, even if it's constructive, that's not necessarily positive, 
can be tough for us, especially someone like me. I'm, I'm a people pleaser. I want people to like me. I want people to be happy. So sometimes I'm worried. But I love the way Brene Brown, who in her book, Dare to Lead, a great book, puts this because I think it's really, it's simple, but I think it's transformational. I think it kind of cuts against what we often think is this, this kindness. A lot of times you and I, we think, well, I am not going to tell someone the reality because I think that's kind. We feed people half-truths and BS because it makes us feel better. And we think it's going to make them feel better. And we're not clear about our expectations because it's too hard. We'd rather just hold colleagues accountable and blame them for not delivering. Or we'd rather talk about people than talk to them. And this is the way she puts it. She says, clear is kind and unclear is unkind. And I think that is absolutely a fact. When you're clear with people, then you are actually helping them. When you're unclear with people, you're not being kind. So whenever you're finding yourself thinking, well, I, I'm, I don't want to tell them. I don't want to have that hard conversation with someone. I don't want to tell them my expectations. And you think that that is a form of kindness, shift that paradigm in your mind because it's not true. When you're clear with people, when you're honest with people, even when it's not necessarily something they want to hear, but they should hear, they need to hear, that is true kindness in the workforce. Okay. Hey, so principle number five is courageous leaders set clear expectations and they provide honest feedback to their people. So a few things I want to, a few questions I want to ask you to help you apply this to your life and to your organization. Number one, when was the last time that you took a hard look at your team or your organization? If it's been a while, maybe it's time for you to start turning over rocks and start staring at some squiggly things on those rocks. Go be someone who makes a habit in your organization that avoids that human tendency to look the other way. Maybe take some of those Andy Stanley commandments and set those in your organization. Number two, how are you treating people that bring you bad news? If you're not treating them well, then people, then you're probably not getting the honest truth about your organization. Are you rewarding only good news and then penalizing people that bring you bad news? Question number three, have you created an environment of trust where other leaders can be honest and vulnerable. One of the one of the most beautiful things about being a courageous leader is creating an environment where other people can be courageous. So create an, an environment of trust where people can take risks, where people can be honest, where people can be vulnerable and allow other people to also be courageous. Next question, do you know what your blind spots are as a person and then also as a leader? If not, who's someone that they could help you understand these? Who's someone you could ask, who's someone you trust? Go and ask them, hey, what are my blind spots? What am I missing? What am I not seeing? And then constantly ask that question. What am I missing? What am I missing? What am I not seeing? Show that humility. Demonstrate that courage to be willing to see what you might be missing in your own blind spots. Do the people on your team know your expectations? And is it time for you to provide some honest, constructive feedback to people on your team to help them grow? Are you, are you really being clear with people or are you being unclear? Remember, Clear is kind, unclear is unkind. Hey, you and I never know what hangs in the balance of our decision to be courageous. So please, I want to just implore you for the sake of a better world, a better future, a better tomorrow for you, for me, for my children, for your children, for everyone in this world. Don't let fear hold you back from doing something that only you can do. Don't let fear hold you back from being a courageous leader. Go and do it. You have unique gifts. You have unique talents. You have unique experiences. And only you can do something great 
with your life. And I believe that you are firmly capable of greatness. But in order to do that, you're going to have to do two things. You're going to have to face your fears and you're going to have to choose courage. You're going to have to choose courage over and over and over again. You're going to fall, but get yourself back up. Go do it again. Go do it again. You can do it. I believe in you. Go make a difference today. We really never know how much time we have. So make the most of today. Don't wait. Be a person of action and watch that as you exercise courage more and more, how courage gets easier for you and how your leadership grows. I'm convinced that our leadership and influence will either shrink or grow in direct proportion to the amount of courage that we choose to have. Life is short. Go make it count, guys. 